I didn't even know what I was asking for in my heart was that I wanted to be a part of mission-led work. I wanted to be a part of something bigger than myself. I've always loved people, like I said. I love building things from the ground up. And I've always loved seeing what could happen for communities that are underserved. Like what actually happens when they get resources? What happens when people come and spread information? Like information for us has changed our lives. So I know that you'll agree, enjoying myself while at work is the vibe that I'm trying to be on. So I want to invite you guys to Sidebar ATL here in Atlanta, Georgia. Sidebar, on top of the good food and live music, they have three different experiences. That means you can join me in the garden room, in the gold room if you want to try the top of the line hookah, and they also have the dungeon where I hear what happens in the dungeon stays in the dungeon. So it's the perfect mix if you're here on business or you want to blow off some steam after work, you can meet me at Sidebar ATL so that you can have a little bit of dinner and then turn up afterwards if that's your jam. So check us out, 79 Poplar Street here in downtown Atlanta, or you can call 678-800-0741. Let's get it, work and play at the same time, right? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Young, and today I have Ms. Jasmine Ohen with me today. Now, on the topic, there are so many topics that we could get into, but I know social entrepreneurship is one that we have to like kind of dig into just a little bit, yeah. and then um, we have to get into your story. So, first of all, I'm excited because I get to talk a little bit. Like, she is a part of the morning meetup with me, and I know I talk about it all the time, and if you guys are interested, it's a lot of us entrepreneurs so who are aspiring, a seasoned entrepreneurs, um, new entrepreneurs, and we are making our way. So Jasmine and I, we met in multiple different circles, and we have been growing together over the last couple of, almost a year, yeah. right? And so you guys get a chance to like feel some of the spirit with me, because I'm really excited for this comfortable conversation. <laughs> so without further ado, Miss Jasmine, please, yeah. how do you introduce yourself to the folks? Well, okay, let's see. I love the Lord, okay, so I'm a woman of God. I'm a wife, I'm an entrepreneur, and I just love people. I'm just a lover of people. So that if that means in the space of a nonprofit, starting a business, speaking on a stage, doing a podcast, I don't care. I just love people. You love people. Okay, so then who do you serve and how do you serve them? You know how we do. Yes. <laughs> I serve community leaders and I help them start strategizing scale so they can have successful nonprofits from day one. Nice. And versus like when other people are just giving them the paperwork they need to file, I focus on how to give them for-profit strategy with non-profit impact. Mm, how did you get even into that? Because you know, I, I latch on to that kind of talk, but like where did you get your start in this space? Are you still trying to get a leg up on your entrepreneurial career? Now I told you about the morning meetup, the community that was created for the betterment of entrepreneurship. And we are cooking up some really cool things. Now here's the thing, if you join today, you can actually get in for 60% of the original price. So if you join today, all you have to do is download the app and I provided the link below so that you can join us. We have community, we have a book club, and it's the largest group that meets every single day, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. to literally get ahead head start on entrepreneurship. So if you're still trying to grow, you don't know what your business is going to be, but you know you want to be an entrepreneur, this is the community for you. So check out the morning meetup, click the link below, download the app and join us today. Uh, Teach for America. 
Really? I, yeah. <laughs> I, was a, I was a professional dancer. I was pre-professional in college, even in high school. Like, I was being trained since I was 14. Trained, but girl, when I was five years old, Nivea in the laundromat had me in a chokehold, okay? Are you serious? What? I would literally set up my teddy bears on the couch, and I would put on J-Lo, and I would, they were my audience, and I would perform for my teddy bears. Like, so when I became, and I knew, I didn't even know you could be trained to dance. And when I saw you could in high school, I was like, oh, I'm an entertainer. That's what I am. And then whenever graduation was approaching in college, I just, I grew up in a single parent household. My mom is divorced and just watching her raise my brother and my sister and I, I'm the youngest. I just noticed that like, we were, it was clear to, to notice we were struggling, okay? Mm -hmm. We were struggling, okay? And we lived in the suburbs where we were, my mom was always doing whatever she could to put us in extracurriculars, to put us in communities. Nice. Um, but it was stretching for her financially, so we were always like way behind financially. And I knew that being an artist, like starting out, you gotta keep making your name. It's like so much like an entrepreneur. It literally is very similar to an entrepreneur. You gotta just keep putting your products out there, mm -hmm. keep putting yourself out there, keep going into spaces. And honestly, I just wasn't sure if I was ready to do that and I wanted to impact people outside of myself. I wanted to see what could happen if there was something in me that maybe could impact people. And I was walking to lunch with my best friend and my best friend Alma, shout out to her. And we were walking and I saw somebody putting a like sign in the ground that said Teach for America. And I said, dang, they only take education majors. And then the girl was like, no, we don't. And then I said, oh, y'all take anybody? And then she was like, yeah. How'd you, what made you think they only take um, education majors? I don't know, teach, teaching. teach for America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everything, <sighs> that's a whole different story. Oh, you can get into that later. <laughs> okay. But, um, I was always so interested in business in college. Mm -hmm. I didn't know I could change my major though. I didn't really know what that looked like. Okay. I joined Collegiate 100, which was a business organization. Mm -hmm. I would like throw, I was a vice president over my organization. I was just so into what it looked like to build things from the ground up. It really intrigued me. And my husband and I, shout out to my baby. We would listen to um, Masters of Scale by Reed Young, I think. Really? And is, what is it called, babe? Reed Hoffman. Reed Hoffman. Reed Hoffman. I, okay. I, I wanted to ask him. Right? Masters of Scale. Masters of Scale by Reed Hoffman. And we would always listen to that podcast. And I was just so interested in what is scaling? What does that look like? Yeah. And all those seeds were being planted. So whenever they said they didn't take just education majors, I was like, well, bet. Sign me up. They signed me up. Every round of the interview, I was just breezing through. Like, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is so easy. And then come to find out, my husband, he went and he looked through the like top 10 hardest interviews. And at that time, Teach for America was in the top 10. I was like, there's no, there's no way. You just passed all the I was like, there was no way. Like, I literally was just like, we went through, I think, four series of interviews, four or five at the time. What was it, from your perspective, what was the most challenging of the interview then? That application, because I had the times wrong, just like an artist brain here, 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 here. Girl, I was, so the application, <laughs> It said it was due at 12 p.m. Mm -hmm. And I was I was working like three or four jobs my senior year to finish school. Okay. And I remember I was coming from my job. I had to be there at 6 a.m. every morning. And then I was leaving at 10 a.m. So I was talking to my mom on the phone and I said, yeah, and I got to finish this application. So I'm going to take, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to go to class and I'm going to finish it before the night. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And she was like, when is the application due? I said, 12 p.m. I said, so I have time to sleep in. And she's like, Jasmine, that's 12 p.m., like the afternoon. Yeah. I ran to my room, and my fingers have never moved so fast. Like, it was just coming to me. I was like, and I said, well, Lord, if it's for me, it's, it's going to be for me. And yeah, I hit send, and then they were like, you've been submitted to the next round of interviews, like, a few weeks later. And I was like, I, that's when I actually asked the Lord. I said, if I get this application in, then I know that I'm going to be a part of that cohort. I'm going to be a part of Teach for America. Mm. So every time I went to the interview, I never went in, like, because I asked God I that. And he, I never went in thinking, like, yeah. Oh man, I hope they like me. I was like, I'm gonna just be myself and I'm likable, so. I love that. Yeah. So that still doesn't get us to the point where you start. So you, you get into a nonprofit. Teach for America yes, is a nonprofit. Yes, yes, yes. Right? So Teach for America is a nonprofit and they put you into schools. Mm -hmm. Schools are nonprofits as well. Right. And I didn't even know what I was asking for in my heart was that I wanted to be a part of mission led work. I wanted to be a part of something bigger than myself. I've always loved people, like I said. I love building things from the ground up. And I've always loved seeing what could happen for communities that are underserved. Like, what actually happens when they get resources? What happens when people come and spread information? Like, information for us has changed our lives. Facts. Just information. Yes. So, like, what happens if they just get exposed to information? And Teach for America, I was excelling as a teacher. I got new, uh, Best New Teacher of the Year Award. I got the Achievement Award the next year. And I knew Teach for America, you have a two-year commitment. Mm -hmm. After those two years, you can stay in the classroom or you can choose to you know, go somewhere else. And a guy came in and he was doing, like they make sure the teachers to kind of set them up. Like either way you want to go, we support. But we want to make sure that you just kind of know what else is out there for somebody that was interested in education, but you don't want to stay in that space. Okay. And the guy came in and he was talking about purpose and finding your gifts and knowing your why. And I was so leaned in like, oh my gosh, what do you do? How do you do that? And I was asking him all these questions and he had a book and that, I, that was the start of my mind just being like, like I'm more than a dancer, you know? And at that point I had torn my ACL, but that wasn't why I stopped dancing. It was just that God really made it clear to me when I was in LA dancing mm -hmm. in 2018 that this is your gift, but it's not your calling. Okay. I'm calling you to more. We're going to get into that. And that was a so whole thing. So this presentation was about a man. It was with a man t telling you more about your career options yeah. after Teach for America. Yeah. And what did you choose? I chose, I, everything kept connecting. Like, so it was the first time I also saw he was like, what are your gifts? And he was like taking you through like this uh, signature kind of curriculum he set up. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like external gifts. He was like, no external gifts. And he had this list of gifts and like it was connecting with people, you know, talking, mm -hmm. speaking, like mm -hmm. just being creative and all these things that are like intrinsic. I didn't know those were gifts. I did not know those were gifts. And it made sense why I was excelling in these nonprofit spaces or in these all these spaces that are like mission-led. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so I can do something with this. So I was like journaling all the time, writing things down. And I was still in that artist space. But then I just, that's when, that happened in 2017 because then I got engaged and I got married 20, I got engaged 2016, got married 2017. And then we moved to California in 2018. And whenever we, <laughs> girl, it was a woo. That's exactly what it was. I was like, woo, Lord, time moving. And where did they have you stationed in Teach for America? Houston. Houston. Yeah, Hi, they have me at Third Ward, Houston, where I actually went to college. I went to college at the University of Houston. Okay, so, got you. Whenever I was in California, that same feeling of wanting to develop women and just talk about 
just to really be like a light to mm -hmm. show them like that God is good, God loves you, but also like what would it look like for you to get information and for our our minds to be transformed? I just would ke I kept falling into those spaces naturally, mm -hmm. and every time I went into a space they would automatically elevate me to an, a leader. Like, even if I wasn't doing a bunch, I felt I was just doing, being myself. Like, so when I would be at church, I would just be serving at the front steps, just saying hi to people. Mm -hmm. And then I would go and talk to them. Then I was over the whole growth track, helping them go into the next steps. And then it was, you know, I then, I left from working, which you always should. You should always leave something that's not making you happy. Because then I left from, I was with a commercial real estate company in San Francisco. Got it. And I the said, first thing from a nonprofit. Listen, yeah. <laughs> and my personality in corporate America, we just, I want to talk too much. I want to build relationships in the cubicles. I'm like, so girl, like, don't let them talk to you like that. Don't let them call you that name. Like all these things, I was going around changing the girls' lives. The women were in there like, they were literally like, you have changed my life. Like really? I was being trained and when, I, when they were training me, I would be learning the information. And then I would be like, so tell me what's going on with you. And then I would end up interviewing them, talking to them, and they'd be crying. Lives changed, all this stuff. This is in the real estate In the, in in the, the real commercial estate real estate, yes. Where everybody wants to be. And that was it. And I was also one of maybe two. No, I was one. Yeah, one and me and the other girl were uh, black women. Mm. So this is not like a diverse space at all. And it was funny that I still had this boldness to be like, no, I'm going to show up as myself. I'm going to show up as myself. I'm not going to feel like I have to shrink myself. Yeah. And it ended up being my superpower because that was the thing that made me stay there. I stayed there just two months and I said, I can't do this. I cannot do this. Mm. And then I applied to work for the Boys and Girls Club of San Francisco. And when I applied there, they had a position of a site director or a performing arts director. But I didn't know about the performing arts director position yet. And the site director position, they were like, we need this person, like we want you to be over the whole program, we want you to be over the whole club, mm -hmm. basically, mm -hmm. and leading it and what it would look like. And I was like, oh, this is another nonprofit space, but see, nonprofits are notorious for not paying you what you want to be paid. So I was like going back and forth with them. And then she says, you know what? I, I mentioned something maybe about dance. She was looking at my resume, my background. And I said how um, I loved it, how I always loved that when you move your body, you just get so creative. And there's so many things you can do with that. This is like a passing statement. Yeah. And mm -hmm. she said, you know, what? we have a position. It hasn't gone live yet. It's a performing arts director. Do you want to interview for that, too? So what happened, God set it up where I was literally at a table. I'm interviewing for this person's asking me to be at their club, to be over their club. This person's asking me to be over their programs and everything and to lead both of them in leadership positions. I politely declined the site director and I turned and was the performing arts director. And I went on in that short amount of time. I did, I started my pilot program for my nonprofit, Heal Yourself. I was, I was working on like national campaigns. I got a sponsorship with Finish Line to, for my pilot program with my nonprofit. Oh my Yeah, and I was within that. All while being all, at this nonprofit. Yes, yes, I was leveraging every resource they had. Every resource they had, I leveraged it. Like, and it was what I was talking about this morning in the morning meetup. Just about like, when I, I, was, when I was in a grease fire, y'all don't know, because y'all went there, y'all know the story. Unless you want to meet up, get join the meetup. <laughs> and, <laughs> I was, when I was in that grease fire at eight years old, like 
that fighter had always been in me. Like that person that wanted to know more or do more. Because when the doctor was said to my mom, like we could have, we, we, we were thinking we were gonna have to cut her foot off, but we didn't have to, thank God. But she's gonna have to learn how to walk again on these feet. And we were, my husband and I, we were talking about it because he was listening in. And I said, it was so, I was under so much pressure then like walking and figuring out how to walk. Mm -hmm. But something I learned was when you're put under pressure, like pressure is the thing that actually creates a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. And when you're under pressure, like there's still, you're still supposed to walk through the pressure. Mm -hmm. And the doctor was like, you're gonna, he kept telling me that you're gonna have to walk through the pressure. Like it's gonna feel like you're gonna burst and it's gonna feel like you can't do it, but you have to walk through the pressure. And I think about that as an entrepreneur, like that's exactly what it is. You walk through the pressure. So whenever I was at that clubhouse, it was one of the hardest jobs, if not the hardest, harder than Teach for America, which I didn't think you could get harder than that. Mm. It was one of the hardest jobs I ever had, but that pressure, when I walked through it, came a beautiful organization that has gone on to impact over 400 women and girls. We have a partnership now with the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Dallas. We're putting, being put into the school system there, and we're in line to get our first big grant, you know? Wow. And that was in a short amount of time. The pressure walking through an entrepreneur just hit a five-figure day, like, and coaching. We were part yes. of the same program. Yes. We joined practically around the same time. Yes. Like when you walk through the pressure, what it looks like. But even then, when I pushed myself to walk through that pressure, I was feeling on my feet and I had tears in my eyes. And I'm like, no, I hear my mom and my sister in the back laughing. And I'm like, no, I know I've fallen every time, but I'm not going to fall this time. And I, that's, I had this big candy cane that was like the size of my body, my eight-year-old little body, and I'm walking and tears are in my eyes and I'm grabbing the wall and tears and I just keep feeling all that pressure. But whenever I got there, I laid on the bed and I was like, I made it. And I fell and I remember my mom was like, Jazz Jazz, she calls me Jazz Jazz. She's like, Jazz Jazz, you, you walked all this way by yourself? I was like, yeah. And my sister's congratulating me. But it was something that really stuck out to me this morning where I, God was like, that is the thing I'm asking you to do now was I had enough strength to walk myself there, but they, I had to leverage them for the rest of the day to get help, how to move around. Got it. And that is exactly how it's supposed to be as an entrepreneur. There are some places whenever you're walking to where you're going, mm-hmm. you're under pressure and you feel like you can't do it. And when you get to that space, you're not called to be a solopreneur. You leverage other people's mindset, their resources, their wealth of knowledge, their rooms, their podcasts, their relationships yeah. authentically. And they help you get to the next level. And that is exactly what happened when I was at the Boys and Girls Club of San Francisco. I was able to leverage like their trainings their leadership opportunities yeah. their when they said who could be over this thing i would creatively say i could do it i saw a gap and i filled it i just kept leveraging and within six months i was excelling so much i was ready to actually start up the next program of what it would look like for my nonprofit to operate and go into like another cycle of cohorts with the girls and i just felt really like god was like it's time i was like it's time for what He's like, it's time to do these things on your own. And we were, it was May 21st, 2019. Okay. And we were living in Oakland. And if you, you, California is extremely expensive. I go home, I tell my husband and I told the Lord, if it is you, God, the same way I was a teacher for America, Lord, if it's you, Mm -hmm. you'll make it clear. You'll make it clear with my community, your word and my husband. Cause we can't, we're going to go from two to one incomes in the most expensive city at this time. Yeah. It's very tight. So you're going to have to make it real clear. I came home. I told uh, my husband the revelation I had. I'm all 
pumped up. I'm tears in my eyes. I'm like, and I know God's calling me to this. And I'm going on and on. And then he's like, I believe it. He's like, let's do it. It's going to be tough, but let's do it. And that was a Tuesday, I believe. And the next morning was a Wednesday. I took a picture and I promised myself every day after that, I would document something in my life. That's beautiful. So now, so wait, at this point, you said, you said I'm going to document every point in my life at this point. This is when you decided to leap into full-time entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. But up until this point, and there's so much that I want to get into in that part. So let's just pray that my brain is going to have all the energy to remember all these different nuggets because like from the, well, to clarify, when you experienced the burn accident, were you, had you already been like dancing or did you learn afterwards? I was already dancing. Okay. I was funny. I actually was dancing. Remember I said I started being trained when I was 14, but I started dancing in the church. I was just dancing and I like was like, dancing. so I was praise dancing mm -hmm. and it was the week of the big performance. And then I got burned that Thursday mm. and it was going to be Sunday. Yeah. You know, sometimes they say like God pushes us in different directions and we have to take heed. Do you feel like that was like a... Yes. But you, every time I look back, actually, every when I tore my ACL, it was the week of the show. It was when I was professionally dancing after graduation. Are you serious? The week of the show, I had a solo in the performance and I tore my ACL, that dress rehearsal. That's crazy. Every time. And I was like, God, why every time it's my time to shine? You do something. Oh, I hate her. <laughs> I was so mad at God and with my mm. this is a this is something that people most people do not know this, but my nonprofit actually started off as a dance class. Heal yourself. It's spelled H E E L. And they were mm. dance classes to help women learn how to dance in heels, feel like their best self, be sexy, learn women's empowerment. And then at the end I was gonna tell them all the things the Lord loved about them and they was gonna go on and live their best lives. And uh, my first one was insanely successful. And then I was in spaces when I would network and I would talk about Heal Yourself. And I was working on, she's now like, um, she's like a judge or something in Houston, but mm -hmm. I was going to give her and her daughter a private. And I was just going, like, it was growing really fast. Like, it was like, boom, boom, boom. I was like helping people. Yeah. Like, God already knew that thing was going to take off. And it, same thing in L.A. Like, I was a part, I was going to be a part of an opportunity that was literally going to be a part of their production. If mm. it, when it was going to be aired, I knew it was going to take my career to the next level. Like in dancing. Yes. in dancing and entertaining. Cause wow. I, I was like, I just knew it. And every time it was like something, yeah. God was like, no, stop, pause, pause, pause. And he was telling me then too, like, I know that's something you're good at. But something, sometimes the thing you're good at is not the thing you're created to do. Yeah. It's not the thing he wants to actually put a fingerprint on the world on. Because we're talking about a beautiful, massive God. He doesn't just put one good thing in you. He puts many things. Yeah. So all of those many things, how does he want to use it? Then I also had to realize he's not telling me I can't dance. He's just saying, like, professionally, I'm not calling you to do that. But before you realize that in the moment, because if you look at these different chain of events and you're like, yo, like... I just want to, I just want to dance, Lord. Like, why you can't just, what was your process, <clears throat> your process? Did you go from a process of resentment to gratefulness or what were you always just constantly in a conversation about like, okay, well, I guess this is not what I do. Cause you, you have, you sound like you have a relationship with God, right? Yeah. I can imagine you like having a conversation. So were your conversations at this time, like, Okay, I guess, you know, like I'm going to heal and just super grateful along the way. Or did you go through ebbs and flows of like negative and positive emotions? That and mm. all the negative and all the deep flows. When I tore my ACL, I was so mad at God. I was like, 
oh like this was the thing i had waited for i'm talking about now i'm being paid they're even talking about like having me come on like and do more things in the company like this is a dream and i can like actually travel and now i partially and then it was great i partially tore my acl but i didn't have insurance then got it i was so mad i was so, so financially, angry financially i was pissed career-wise you like listen you trying to f up my, my I'm life like, dang <laughs> i can't do anything oh my gosh i was so frustrated and in the middle of that though I never stopped talking to God though mm -hmm. I never stopped like communicating how angry I was so what was the conversation man, like God I'm mad at you you get on my nerves really yes like, you getting on my nerves I don't want to talk to you right now where did you grow up in the church yes got it yes. so did you learn what when was the first time you learned how to pray honestly I would say I grew up in the church yes but after I got burned at eight I got really mad at the church did you yeah because no one came to see me mm. you know no one came to see me but all in fairness we also were not like super nope it's the same way with, with the morning meetup mm -hmm. if you don't if we don't know you're there we don't know where to fill the serve like the um the, the need yeah mm. the void or mm -hmm. the need we mm -hmm. don't know when to do that mm -hmm. and that was kind of like I was raised with a single mom. We could always be at all the extracurriculars and, and all the after school things. It was one of her, mm. you know? So we weren't always super active, but we were very much there. And I remember being angry that my mom, we had to walk through that like by ourselves. And I just was kind of like, bye. Like, I don't really want to do that, but I was still going. That is being a teenager. You just doing your own thing. Like, mm -hmm. God, you ask that whole like, follow you stuff lord that's when i'm older like i'm trying to be like 30 40 when i do that i'm trying to still have fun because sin be fun you are so funny with that <laughs> that's real though yes because i feel like i've had this thought like you know it's it's easier to kind of give your life to god when you are 35 40 <laughs> listen because lord you be asking me to do stuff that my flesh is not in agreement with i still want to have a little <laughs> So it, that goes to like kind of like the feminine empowerment part because like you found this part of yourself and it, it really like budded when you were at the real estate office. But I'm trying to figure out at which point did this feminine like energy or like the the women empowerment side of you start to bud. I always say like I didn't really identify as a black woman until I was like 25. Wow. Mm -hmm. Why do you think? It's be, like, honestly and truly like I didn't grow up with like a whole lot of women empowerment things. Yeah. My grandmother, God rest her soul, she yeah. was like, you can't trust women, women mm. like super dogging women. I'm like, are we women though? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was always a like a dissonance. So for me, taking pride as a woman wasn't a thing. I under identifying like women issues wasn't a thing as a black. I grew up in Atlanta. So like as a black mm. woman, understanding um, black history wasn't a big thing in high school. I remember my, my teacher being like, um, slaves were property and they were treated well because they were property. And I'm just like, what? That doesn't sound right. But at the end of the day, nobody else is teaching you anything else. That's weird. Right. So for me as a woman, it wasn't until I was 25 because that's when I started to have a vision of my own. And when I wanted to push something of my own, a project, right? Yeah. That's when I started to hit um, opposition yeah. and realizing, oh, there's differences and I have to operate a certain way. So for me, that's why I like, I remember my, a friend of mine was like, yo, you talk different. Cause I didn't talk about black power. I didn't talk about women power. I wasn't talking about any of that. So for you to be able to go into a real estate office and like one, just be curious about people and how their lives are going, yeah. that's cool, right? But then when did your passion for like, or your even awareness yeah. of your own womanhood come? Honestly, I don't even know what it is. I don't know if that was just a, a natural little gift. I've always been that way. 
really? since I was a little girl. Like, really? I've always just been like, women are awesome. Like my dolls, they would cheer each other on. Remember I told you I would put my teddy bears, <laughs> I would put my teddy bears up and I would perform for them. Yes. Like they were, we, I was in like, we made our own little girl group in the apartments. Me and my sister are best friends. You have a sister? Yes. Older or younger? Older. I'm the youngest. God, is she really girly girly or is she more like, what is I would she? say she is, but I'm more like prissy. Gotcha. So like I would be considered, I don't even know what that word, I feel like it's negative, but like I would just be more considered like, no, I'm not doing that. Eh. Like my sister's <laughs> like, girl, I don't, I don't care. I'll take that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, but she is very like still girly. Um, but according to, I'm sure everyone in my life would tell me that, no, Jasmine, you're definitely way more girly. But my sister and I, my mom would do our nails for us. Like really? we would do arts and crafts together. And like my mom would always tell us about so my mom would do this really cool thing when we would grow up. She documented pictures of points of her life with pictures. And she has all these photo albums. And when we were growing up, she would Saturday morning cook us a breakfast, lay out this photo album and go through each picture and tell us the story behind it. Mm, and that dope. just was so cool to that me. That is so grounding. Yes. And honestly, I just felt like women were just so amazing. And now here's the thing, though. You also are the same way with that. What did Renee, um, Ronnie, Ronnie say? Mm -hmm. Ronnie say yesterday was that you're not growing if you're not contradicting yourself. Yeah. Because yes, I've always been grilling about women, but I've also been a mean girl before. So like you attacked women before? Yes, you got very much so. I, I don't know very much side so. of you, so you're gonna have very to. Very much so. Like, what did you do to the poor girl? You know, just like call her out, pull her out. What'd she say? Call her out. I wanna see her. And I'll be so afraid. You can, here's the thing. In this moment, I just feel the vibration in my soul. So for you to use your gift for bad, I don't want to. I don't want to feel the rest. Exactly, but that's also a thing. But the thing that actually is so powerful, yeah. I never knew was my words. I used to, because I, I was been a girl's girl. I was on dance teams growing up. I was a cheerleader. Mm -hmm. I have a sister. We're best friends. Like. Uh, me and my bonus sister, my cousin, we're all so close yeah. and I've always been really close to these people. But then whenever, like I was in high school, like rewind high school, I was a mean girl. I was like the quintessential, the high school thing you can think of. Now I'm sure my peers like would have said, Jasmine, you were not mean, but like, I felt like looking back, like, dang, I used to, or some, okay. I was a cheerleader. I was mm -hmm. Miss, I was class favorite, most beautiful, all yeah. those things. Miss Lake yep. like went on to be like you know the winter prom queen, all these things like. And I can so see. You can <laughs> but here's the thing though: the thing about a mean girl is the judgment side. Yes. So who was your target? My best friend. What? Exactly. Why? I'm so sad. You know, looking back though, as I, if I could therapize myself and I made that word up because I can do that. So I've actually heard that before. I feel like it's going to be a word. It's going, it needs to be. If I could therapize myself, <laughs> mm -hmm. it was because she had everything that I always wanted. She had a two parent household. I never knew that was even, I literally didn't even know that. I remember one day I had a form and I said, I have to go home and take this to my mom. And she said, yeah, I'm going to just have my dad sign it. I said, what? She's you like, I'm going to just have my dad sign it. Mm -hmm. I said, what, your dad lives with you? Because we would always go to my dad's in the summer. So I just assumed that was everyone's story. Like everyone just goes to their dad's house in the summer and then you go back to your mom's house. So it's funny that like I loved being around her so much. I thought the world of her, but I didn't know how to say it. So you're also, I'm fifth, I'm, we, be, um, we became best friends when I was 11. Mm -hmm. So 
then until I was 16 and then into college, we had a falling out. And thank God, we're, our, the Lord rekindled our relationship beautifully. And I'm, I'm going to be in her wedding. But like that is beautiful, and that don't—that's not everybody's story. No, because I'm still feeling like her. I'm like, dang, yeah. I can only imagine like, you know, when people don't know how to communicate their feelings, it comes out in the worst way. So I would do stuff like, yeah, if her makeup was really cute, mm. I would do like, dang, girl, you look so cute. Look at your hair; it's not looking all crazy today. Okay. Those backhanded compliments. Yeah. Your eyelashes look so pretty. They're not all sprawl like a spider. And when I was, did you grow out of that? When, honestly, whenever I got to college. Mm. I didn't like it even when I was in high school. But whenever you're in a bubble and you don't leave from home, yeah. you can feel like this is the norm. Mm. And I just knew I didn't like how it made me feel. Yeah. Like, And then whenever I got to college, I started meeting really amazing women. And, they, and then... Um, you start being in spaces where that's just not normal talk. Got it. Like, you only talk like that if you don't like somebody. And if you don't like them, just keep it to yourself. That's real. You know, mind your business. And whenever we rekindled our friendship, I remember telling her and apologizing to her. And we were all emotional because she was all like, Jasmine, I wasn't the best to you either. You know, she's like, we were only so young. We were 16. It's like going on and on. And then um, it was so healing. And that was so beautiful to do that. But everybody doesn't get that opportunity. But I will say I forgave myself for I was a kid. If I was still doing that as an adult, we got yeah. some issues. Yeah, what yeah. is going on with you? <laughs> Stop hating on people. The best way to support the Work and Play podcast is by subscribing to the YouTube channel and by going to your favorite podcast player to subscribe and rate the Work and Play podcast. That's all you have to do. So if you are liking the Work and Play podcast, the content, the stories that we're sharing, and you know that this will help someone, go ahead and share the content to someone who could actually use it and help them on their journey to transition from corporate into entrepreneurship. Now let's get back into the episode. And that's the thing, like, I think those are the things, like, in our childhood when you realize, you know, being a, a product of a single-parent household, oh, my gosh, I had, I just had a thought because I was really curious about your mom um, showing you, like, all those women, and we went so far into this lane that I was like, at some point you had to heal because you got married, and, like, you cannot form a unit with someone. <laughs> well, you can. You can take that. It ain't gonna last long. Very true. It's gonna be a lot of toxic habits there, and yeah. that was also the thing, like, I often say this, and I this is my belief, my belief, Jasmine, me, and I can do that, is that I believe the way that you show up for your partner is how you often show up in every relationship. Mm -hmm. So if for someone, if they're like relationships are a, a manifestation of how your life really is happening to me. So if you're in these relationships and it's always turmoil, every relationship you're in, nobody's right. You're always the one that's coming out as the victim. Like... Is that that's how you're also showing up in your business it's their problem so they're fired mm. you're you're the leader you can never take correction like that's how you'll show up in spaces when you're called to also still be a servant when you're called to still be humble yeah. and like i could be that way married backhand compliments to my husband yeah yeah that's gonna cause friction in my household and i'm not about that so it's like i started to just see like there's always traumas. There's there's triggers that also and traumas that come with growing up low income, mm -hmm. like, you know, that imposter syndrome or yeah. for me being that I was a dancer for such a large part of my life long. That was the longest relationship I had been in yeah. with art until like, you know, that's breaking from that always felt like 
um, I'm not good enough or because I would go into spaces in college and I wanted and I would be in these business spaces and everybody would have their name tag like it would say their name and their major mm. and people's major would be business engineer health bio like whatever it was and the mom was, I was the always not just the only dance major the only art like just anything yeah so it would just say dance and I would be like hi and they would be like okay and they see and they walk away and I would just feel like dang but then when I would go to open my mouth I would shine I would win the prize. I would win the, they would, the person would be like, come on stage, I just love you. Come up here and talk to me. Yeah. And then it was like, okay. And I stopped not believing in myself and saying like, let me lean into this. Let me lean into my words. Yeah. If that's the thing that's hurt, you know, these people when I was younger, what would it look like if I used these things for good? Absolutely. And honestly, the, also the bigger thing was that God don't like that. That's ugly. Like that is not the Lord. His words, his words are used to bring beauty. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you grew out of it. I was. I there's so many. I'm jumping around in your story because that's fine. That's how I communicate. So I love my it. best friend as long gave as you me. Can follow, she, I can I can follow. Then I can follow. My too. best friend gave me feedback. She was like Jasmine, you know you be, you know you a circular communicator kind of thing. I'm like I am. She's like but we you know give it in chunks. But I'm trying I'm trying Alma. This is good. <laughs> no this is good. We got time. So you grew out of it, and I'm wondering. There's so many things that I'm curious about. The first part is you mentioned your husband. So give me a quick like synopsis of like, when did you like, when did you identify or what did you identify? Well, you actually actually kind of touched on it. A bit of the insecurity was around dancing. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that you had to like get over and learn how to use your voice. But going into a relationship, though you grew out of like the mean girl phase, right? What was something that you learned about yourself as an individual that you couldn't take into your marriage that you had to like work on before y'all got married? My traumas. Mm. Like, and that's something that like full transparency I'm always still working on. Like, you know, trauma and healing is one of those things that as you experience one level of healing, God takes you to another because of a new season, new influence, new platform, new territory. So there needs to be a new level of healing. Uh, at 16, I fell into a really bad abusive relationship. I mean, every form of abuse you could think of, it was done. Mm. And I got out of it when I was 17. I met my husband at 18. It wasn't a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Right? And how long was it? 16? You were in a relationship for a, a, a year. Yeah. yeah. And then you got out. You met your husband a year later. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm following. Yes. And, uh, you know, we fell in love. We all through college. We got married right after college. Like there was no gaps. You know, even though we had our bumps in the road, mm -hmm. we realized that, OK, our way ain't working. Let's go to therapy. Let's get some <laughs> let's get some help with yeah. our premarital. We did premarital before we were engaged. Nice. We did that as boyfriend, girlfriend to say, whenever you get on your finger, I'm not playing no games and you're not playing no games. So let's see if we even about each other for real, for real. Facts. And, you know, thank God it worked out. But we've made it a point to always go to marriage therapy, even just to you would never take a car to the shop when everything's broken on it. Mm hmm. Because there, it's going to be extremely expensive to repair it. That's yeah. the same way you should be about your relationship. In my case, my marriage is that I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to get oil changes. I'm going to get tune-ups. I'm going to make sure the tires are rotated. I'm going to make sure there's gas in the car. I'm going to just be proactive. So we made a commitment to just be proactive about our relationship. But with all of that, I started to see, like, I have to work through things by myself. I'm a firm believer that a woman, women are always giving and we often give to the point where we lose the parts of ourselves we love. Like mm -hmm. we lose things about ourselves we love. We lose like us. Mm -hmm. I'm Jasmine. When you asked me earlier, what, how would you describe yourself? I'm a believer. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm married. 
but I'm not just those things. Those are like multiple hats I wear. I'm a sister. I'm a friend. I'm a, you know, the list goes on and on. on, on yeah. But I'm Jasmine too. Like, what is Jasmine like? I need to focus on the things Jasmine because I'm with me 24-7. And if I don't like me, I can't like nobody else. So I need to really enjoy me. So I need to go to therapy and talk through traumas, any issues I've had from childhood, any of those things. I need to talk through that because this is what I teach my clients as well. When you come to me, I've had a client say to me, dang, I came to you for a nonprofit. I feel like I'm in therapy. Like you really, this has changed my life. And like I told you, they've cried because yeah. I'm, I'm my, it's my desire that you develop as a whole person. A leader leads from their beliefs. So if you believe you're not good enough, nobody's gonna hear your voice, nobody cares what you have to say, you actually aren't worthy, that is actually how you'll lead. You believe that, you'll lead like that. So you'll show up being small in a space when you're called to be big. Yeah. You won't smile when you're supposed to show your beautiful smile. When there's a space to share your ideas, you won't because you feel like nobody cares what you have to say. Yeah. And then that'll affect, it starts from the top to the bottom. Yeah. And you have to realize like as you grow as an entrepreneur, as a person in different roles that God calls you to, mm -hmm. you need to develop you first. Yeah. I'm spending time with me every day. I need to make sure that Jasmine is right. You need to make sure Ariel is right. Your mind is right. How does that work? I always say Jesus and therapy, they're the best combos. You can't have one without the other. Listen, I wish a lot of people would have actually realized that, but I would say you can't have one without the other. That faith and like working it through with somebody is powerful combo. Yeah. I'm thinking about you saying like sharing your ideas and as you get more confident in like expressing yourself verbally um, and also getting to know yourself, mm -hmm. um, you're in these rooms, right? And I'm, I can only imagine that being in a college um, networking environment where your tag says dance is not the only environment that you've ever been in where you have your spirit, you have your communication, but then there's this expertise that you have to show up with. So like, what was it that you like learned to like grow and get, get confidence with to express in terms of like the business side of things that you do like along your professional journey? Mm -hmm. Like what was the thing that made me feel confident to do that? To talk to, yeah. Like, and, and I'm sure you had to learn a couple of things that you weren't confident in first. Honestly, like, this is going to sound so funny, but Clubhouse. <laughs> really? Clubhouse was such a great tool for me. Really? I have never seen people like that move at such a high level, like, that look like me. That are women that are, like, super feminine but bossed up at the same time. You know, I had never seen that where they're, like, unapologetic about being black but being a boss, being a believer but having money. Like, and I would go into these spaces during the, um, for one, my mother, like, Take it all the way back. Yeah. My mama don't let me say bad stuff about myself. If I'm going to rag on myself, my mom is, if you think I'm encouraging, my mom is like obnoxiously encouraging. Like you'd be like, dang, let me feel a little bit of pain. <laughs> I want to cry for a second. She's like, no, you're amazing. Awesome. Yes. I'm like, okay. Yes, mommy. You said, you say that because I am like, I'm your daughter. Yeah, right. Like, no, I believe in you. So my mom is so encouraging that she made me so curious and watching her live her life even when she felt she couldn't and i'm so proud of her because she went on and seeing a front row to what was happening in my life and entrepreneurship she like i told you always started different businesses but didn't see that it was possible for her she would watch get all this money and then go i need it for these bills yeah and then would stop it mm. but i'm so proud that like she had a front row and got to see these things in my life that she went on and now she's in the last round of edits in her book so she got an author coach and that was also the thing was that 
her just you don't know how many people are attached to you mm -hmm. and you're saying what are the things that work through of course my mom the beautiful women in my life but then like when I got into clubhouse when you become an adult you have to take ownership about what you have and what you lack okay and I knew something that I was lacking was not the fact that I didn't believe in myself I didn't believe that it I had never I had never seen it done to that kind of level. One, I didn't even know, back in 2018 when I was living in LA dancing for a bit, I would write in my journal, coach. I would just feel like God would like give me different words. I'd be crying and pouring out to the, in LA, like, Lord, show me what are my next steps because I'm done with Teach for America. And I'm a, I like to know what's happening. Let's go. If we're here, I'm already over there. You know, but God's showing me also here is also where I caught you to, which is holy here too. Mm. And Whenever I was writing coach over and over and over, I didn't know what it meant. So when 2020 comes now and there's Clubhouse, my husband tells me about this app. I'm like, you always know something about tech. You the tech guy, I don't wanna get on another social media. He's like, no babe, I think you'll like it. You can just talk on there, it'll be fun. So I was like, there's literally nothing else happening. We're in the house, let me just turn this on. And I started getting in rooms and hearing different things. And then I heard David in one room and he said something about Donnie. And then I got interested because they said something about the Social Proof Podcast excuse me then I went to see the podcast then I saw Kyle on there and then mm -hmm. I was like I was like huh I like wait, he was a teacher remember I told you I was educated gotcha. so I was like I didn't even he said he took something that was in his head that he was good at in the classroom and that he had been doing beforehand and like made it a thing and now look at his life and I was like I know a lot I've been helped a lot of people I've done a lot of programs and residencies and brought in partnerships like I know I can do this and then I was like, hmm, let me join Six Figure Accelerator. And that was the most I have ever invested in myself to that date. I was mm -hmm. like, wow, but I made a commitment at the beginning of the year, I will invest in myself no matter the cost. Mm -hmm. And I knew that what I was good at was I could build relationships, I could orate my butt off, I can influence people and persuade them, I know I can do that, but how do I do this in an unchartered territory? How do I walk through the pressure and still leverage things at the other side. Mm. How do I do that? Mm. I was like, I need a coach. I didn't never, like, I was like, people need coach. Why don't I need a coach? I want to be like LeBron. <laughs> so, <laughs> dude, I'm, I want to be LeBron. So, and I get Donnie, then I get in this community. I was still, it's funny, you don't know that you even have triggers or trauma still until you go into a new space and you feel something that feels familiar. And I remember that feeling I felt at those networking spaces in college with the dance and people would turn away from me. That's how I felt in the group, but it wasn't anyone doing now. It was me doing that to myself. Yeah. And I remember I said something. <laughs> Do you remember this? I don't even know if you were there that night. I said something like, Donnie was going through what it would look like imagine a six-figure life we would want and I'm feeling mm. all like I'm like dang I can do this and then I said I'm asked a question but what if I don't make six figures she was like what what are we what are you even asking me mm. and like she did it w the way Donnie does with love but with a firm hand and she laid in on me and I was like dang like I was thinking so small because she was basically like even if you don't say you came out with just 80 Say you came out with 20, it's more than what you've done in your business now. You have an idea, you haven't even executed it. Execute it, see what you can do. Yeah. And, ooh, I'm feeling the fire. Listen, that was game changer for me. Yeah, but you always ask, I don't remember that night, you always ask like really good, transparent, <laughs> personal development questions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can't remember a specific one, but your questions are always like, 
as a person, like speaking to who I need to be, because I don't necessarily, like, you know what I mean? Like, you always ask questions from that perspective. You just said something. I'm going to take that. Thank you, Lord. That was my word. That is so good. I didn't even know that was what I was intentionally doing, but it was what we were talking about off camera earlier. Mm. How I'm not a huge fan of networking. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it's very transactional. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be in a transactional relationship with you. I want to be in an authentic relationship with you. So that sometimes is a struggle when it is time for, like, a space when a speaker comes and it's like, ask a question. I don't want to know the technicalities. I want to know the mindset, the person you had to be. Because it's like if you set a goal at the top of the year, I want to lose 25 pounds. Mm -hmm. You don't set that goal every year. You didn't gain 25 more. Like, that's not realistic. But who do you want to be? If you say, I want to be a fit person, I want to be an active person, the 25 is a byproduct of who you became. I want to know how you became that way. Because I understand that where action is, then personal development has followed. If you had action there, there must be something intrinsically that happened to you that had to follow it. So if you've gone on to make a million dollars, great, that's amazing. I know I'm gonna be a millionaire. I'm not concerned, I ain't concerned about it. I'm trying to understand what kind of person you became there. So when I asked, um, I'll ask things about like, what's the psychology behind why you thought that? Like, how did you, when you build your program, what was the psychology you thought in laying this out for your clients or your customers? Like, I want to get into you because yeah. if I get into you, then I can act. That's where the, that's where the meat and potatoes is. Yeah. And frankly, I, that was another question that I asked for her as well, because I think that, you know, a lot of, and I can't say a lot of courses because same for you. Mm-hmm. When I invested in the program, my heart was out. Palpitations. <laughs> I was like, girl, you gonna give it all you got. I wrote down sticky notes. Trust the Aww. process. I literally had to remind you myself. Grown. <laughs> I remember when you hit me up in the DMs. Here's the thing. Talk about person like who you have to become. I'm listening to you talk, and I'm very much the person. I'm an executor through and through. I'm gonna run the play. I will run the play blindfolded. You hear me? And I think that reflection has taught me that I learn a lot of things along the way, but. Oftentimes, I become a different person externally, and I don't necessarily see it internally, if, if, if this makes sense. So I push, I push reflection a lot, for, like in general. Yeah. Um, but what I realize is I walk my walk, I talk my talk. And even when I contradict myself, I just, I just be, I just am. You know what I mean? But to hear like, Donnie say I was shy when I came into the program or to hear you say like oh my god you blossomed like I remember I don't remember I remember inside of my head when the first time someone ever said I was shy I was like no I'm not like who who do they see because in my head I'm such a Mm know-it-all and externally I guess I show up differently but then as I take action the actions are probably much more confident than I really be if this makes any sense yeah it's like I will do things Uncon- uh, without confidence, I'll do things without fear. And the learning comes from people asking me questions like about what I did or how I be. That's where like my truth growth comes yeah. from. So like your questions, I remember you asking being like, huh, like she really is like trying to grow here as a person, you know what I mean? Whereas I might ask a technical technical question like, okay, so how do I need to do the steps? But both are necessary. That's a Because fact. what you'll ask, I'm not gonna ask. And what I'll ask, you may not ask, and that's also in all the groups. Remember we said cocktail? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Like when people say like, what got you to the point you are now? 
I'm like, it's a lot of things because it's also me when I was 2018 crying mm. in the closet and nobody saw me journaling to the Lord. Yeah. It's whenever I was like at the BART station and a train went by and I felt like I was like, and that's exactly how your life will be. Mm. You'll keep missing the mark because you won't take a step. Ooh. And I was like, He's like, I'm like, dang, okay. It was all those things. It was when I was eight and I would push myself to walk. It was when I was five and felt like I could dance in front of my teddy bears and be bold. Like it really is a cocktail of what makes you, you. And I'm not going to like shelter any of those things. I'm not going to feel like I can't be all of those things. And the thing is, I've always been a curious child, but it's funny you say that because I've always done that as a kid. Like while everybody was with the, I was I was always, according to everyone else, the grown child. So I was like (laughs) the boss lady in the room, but I was like five. I was like six. I was 10, but I was really 35. So I, older people would naturally talk to me. Like just whenever I was eight years old and my stepmom, I used to do her hair, oil her scalp. And she would talk to me like I was a grown woman and I would give her advice and I would ask her questions. Yeah. Eight. Yes. Oh my God. And like, so that has always been in me. I've just been curious about how people show up and I was really observant and I, my sister was always super observant and Mm. my brother, my family, we grew up such a tight unit, me, Mm -hmm. my brother, my sister, Mm -hmm. my mom, that we would sit around the dinner table, girl, and talk about everything Mm. from sex to curiosities about the body to things happening in school to where we didn't feel adequate like we talked about all these things at the table we only had one tv in our house growing up always so my mom intentionally said she did that because she never wanted us to not have a family space every night we ate dinner around the table every single night Mm. no matter what it was all four of us at the table and we would talk no cell phones, no TV on in a different room. So I just got used to asking a lot of questions, you know, like, and I'm the youngest. So I also was super observant and watched everybody else do make mistakes. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And then I would ask for a lot of help, ask how, how they thought through these things. Okay. And it's crazy. Cause all of that really has morphed into what I was doing was always learning and absorbing but it also helped me be like feel strong to coach yeah you know because that also was like that's what you're doing whenever Mm -hmm. you're helping people and giving advice and they're coming to you and they're seeing value in you donnie asked that question in the six-figure accelerator about reach out to people and ask what they see about you yes that was you know they these people don't they didn't talk to each other they were all coming back with the same stuff what were your responses Oh, um, that I'm great at giving advice, Mm -hmm. um, dependable. They can always come to me for a space to feel safe. Mm. And I kept getting that. I create safe spaces Mm. that no matter what they're going through, they can feel safe to talk to me. Like they don't feel judgment. I even agree. You are my podcast and I feel safe. (laughs) I'm going to put mine in there. Absolutely. (laughs) No, I love that. So thinking about, thinking about your growth, I love it. Um, but I didn't forget the fact that mom, like when we went back to the story of like mom going through the like book, like the photo album, yeah. walking you through the process, I made a connection back to what you said earlier. It's kind of like a, a, a pin in the story because you said that when you were uh, running the pro- program, simu- you were building your own nonprofit simultaneously working at this nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, you vowed to yourself when you came home, I'm going to document the process. <gasps> I was like, whoa, mom, like literally. So (laughs) I'm listening to the 
story and I'm like, okay, so she, you're basically like following those same footsteps. That's hilarious because in 2018, I did feel like, you know, growing up, and my mom also had a stack of journals and I told her, I don't want any of the things you have except your words. Mm. I want your words more than anything. So keep your words for me. What does that mean? I want her journals. I want oh. I want her books that she writes. That's why I was pushing her. Like, mm. I want you to write. I want your words. I want mm. I want letters. I don't want text. I don't want you to text me anything. I want, like, write it down so I can seal it. Like, if it is a text, I put it in a Google Drive. Like, mm -hmm. she sends devotionals every morning, mm. and she has running notes of them. And I told her I wanted to package it up and put it in a book so I can have it. Like, yeah. I want your words. And it's funny, as I say that, I feel like God was saying to me, I want your words. So whenever God would give me a word about something, mm -hmm. I would just kind of like write it, jot it down, but I didn't think much of it. It wasn't until 2018 when God was like, I want you to document what is happening in your life. Mm -hmm. And I was like journal a little bit, then I would fall off. I would take a few pictures, I do a video, then I'll fall off. But I've always been like the person in the space, let's take a picture. Like if you know, if I'm around anyone and I'm not having like a doing something, mm -hmm. I'll capture at least even if it's we're having the time of our lives. Y'all, we gotta take one picture. Like I just wanna document that moment. Yeah. So just even like a snapshot. But then whenever I left my job, it was that Wednesday, I feel like God was like, I want your words. I want you to write down. I want you to document what it looks like. I want you to really like lean into these moments. And I started journaling. Whether it was voice memos, um, video diaries, journaling on paper, taking pictures, mm -hmm. doing a quick time lapse, I document something every day to some point, like a, every day. Yeah. Was the goal personal growth or was the goal um, business oriented? You said you like. I don't even. I don't even <clears throat> know if it was. I think it was just the fact that in my heart, I know the things I desire are going to happen. Mm. And I want to be able to look back and be able to tell my kids the story as well. Mm. I don't ever want to forget parts of myself that even the ugly parts, even the times when I was crying in California, Lord, this is all, why you don't leave my job? Like, I don't want to forget those things. I documented those things. You know, mm. I opened my voice memo sometimes and would just sit there and just, or if I got a great idea and it's not supposed to be executed for another two years. Right. I don't want to forget that. That's big. Yeah. For you to have even that, that wherewithal, because a lot of new entrepreneurs, they just go ahead and jump in right now. But for you to write it down because you know you're going to execute it two years. I am. That's a lesson. I want to get into a little bit of that girl who's crying in the, in the heart. Like, we didn't even talk too much about you actually leaving your job. Girl, what? When you said what you did, I said, I wish you could help me. I didn't know what I was doing. Ugh, it's a process. What, I still what like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but girl, God is faithful. Every single day. I, w I just posted a video of Brett um, Barish, and he was talking about the hardest thing is just taking a leap and literally going through everything else. But when you look back and see what you've accomplished was, by leaving, because yes. I yes. think that was probably the most traumatic part of the journey, like putting in your two weeks notice, sticking to the two weeks notice, because you can always take that thing back. Yeah. And then leaving, yeah. that's like, once you're done, you're like, oh. yeah. but then the journey begins. So what was that for you? Okay, so it's like a whole story. It was like, you know I like stories. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to get cozy. Okay, so <laughs> I was picking a friend up from the airport. I kind of mentioned it when I said the train thing. I was picking a friend up from the airport earlier that morning. I kept feeling like, so I get this feeling sometimes. I know it's the Holy Spirit where he'll put this 
tension in me when it's about to be a new breaking in a season. Mm. It feels like something internally in me, like I need to push it out. Mm. And, but I don't know what it is. I don't even know. It just feels like something stirring up in me at the best way I could describe it. And I was that more, I kept feeling this for weeks at a time. I even said it to my husband. I said, something, something's about to happen. I don't know what it is. I said, and not like, oh, I'm anxious. It's not like an anxious, a bad thing's going to happen. It's like, no, something big God's saying to do. I'm going to be, I'm going to be praying that my heart is prepared to handle what he, when he asked me to go. I just didn't know what it was. So I was listening to a sermon that morning when I was getting ready for work and it really resonated with me. They were talking about how Jesus moved in a rhythm and that when Jesus moved in a rhythm, you never catch him in the Bible running anywhere. He never was um, anxious for time. He would just move in a rhythm and you would catch him when you did the woman. He was moving in such a rhythm that the woman had to grab the hem of his cloak. Like he had a rhythm to his life, how he moved. And if he stopped for somewhere too long, he would have been delayed or it wouldn't have happened, but he stayed faithful to what God asked him to do. And he moved at a rhythm because he knew his assignment. Mm. And I was like, they kept talking about time and what it looks like when a woman gets pregnant and there's a rhythm to that pregnancy. She can't stay pregnant too long. And if she births it too soon, it, it would be dangerous to that child that there's a rhythm that when God has something on your life, you have to move in a rhythm. And if you don't birth it, when he says it'll be delayed or when it happens, if it's too early, then It'll be detrimental. So you want to move in the rhythm he has set for you. So I was like, okay, like this seems really, it was really resonating with my spirit. Like I all the things they said it was long. It was like, that was really resonating. It was Stephen Furtick and T.D. Jakes. And they were like having a conversation like you and I are. It was actually, that's what it was. It was a conversation, not even a sermon. So I go to work and, but I had to go pick up a friend from the airport. So I'm waiting at the train station and I, a train was sitting there and the doors were open. And I knew in myself, I was like, this, has, this is the train. I've seen this train, like it's going to SFO. This is the train. Cause I, I have to go here. But it had like on the, the little board or whatever, mm -hmm. it had like a different name, but I knew that the destination was going to still be the same, even though it was called something different. I knew it was going to be the same. I'm giving myself the same word. So then I kept asking random people. They were getting on the train. The train's still stalled. The doors mm -hmm. are open. People are getting on. I'm like, is this the train to go? They're like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. then I'm like, is this the train? They're like, someone's like, no, it's not. It's not. This isn't the train. And I'm thinking, yes, it is. But why am I asking these people? They don't even know. I live here. I know. Yeah, yeah. So then I... I kept battling and asking all these people trying to get confirmation of something. They don't even know where I'm going. I keep trying to get all this confirmation mm. everywhere. They have no idea where I'm going. I know just because the name is different doesn't change where it's going. Yeah. Just because it looks different doesn't change the destination. Ooh. So <clears throat> whenever the doors closed and the train went off, it said that the name immediately changed and it said it was going to SFO. And I said, I knew it. And then as soon as I said, I knew it, I heard God say, and that's what your life is going to look like. You keep asking everybody. You weren't on the train. I wasn't on the train. I didn't get on. Oh. I knew that was the train and I didn't get on because I was listening to other people who didn't live there, mm. didn't know where I was going. They didn't understand where I was actually going mm. to the destination, but I was trusting them just because they looked mm. like they would know. Dang. And Dang. you said God said that's, that's what your life is. And that's like, what my what life will look like. Because I remember I said earlier, I kept feeling this tension mm. and heal yourself at this time was in his pilot program and it was having extreme success. Mm. Um, but I'm also like, I'm moving wisdom. I'm not going to just jump just because something, if I'm experiencing tension or I'm experiencing success, I want to see, I want to move at the right time. God says for me, but I was feeling this tension where God kept showing me little things along the way. 
Um, but I was looking for someone to kind of tell me not to do it. So not versus telling me to do it. I was looking for them kind of to tell me not to. Mm. So I would bring up things where I was saying something about entrepreneurship because I've seen entrepreneurship <laughs> up close. I just didn't know. I didn't see it scale, yeah. but I seen it. So when I would come into maybe a group with our community, I would bring up entrepreneurial things and they would be like, oh my gosh, you should do it. But I was waiting for someone to kind of be like, and I kept getting visions when I would sleep of God showing me what it would look like. And my time with him in the morning, he would show me things when I was journaling, when I was, you know, in the closet, just listening to my worship music, he would show me things. And I just kept being like, nah, I'm tripping. Nah, that's not gonna happen. I was like, God, sucking yourself out of your blessing. Yes, exactly. So, but I kept saying, God, like, how's it gonna look that way though? And I, I, I don't know what to do. Mm. I don't have like a. This is, people that go on to do these things. They have like well, a financial coach. They're a wealth. They're a wealth like finance person or something like that. I'm like, I don't even know what I would do. Like, you know, like I didn't even know what it was. I just knew something was changing in me. Got you. But I didn't know what it was, but I also wasn't rejecting it. I was leaning into it, but moving with trepidation, if that makes sense. It does. It does. So whenever he said, that's what your life will look like. I felt like he was saying, you keep looking for people to say, don't. And I'm saying, go, it'll be delayed. You'll get there, but it'll be very delayed. And you'll miss the things I have for you because you're waiting on enough, a different word when they don't even see where you're going. Just because it's named different don't mean that's not the destination. Please tell me this is the sign you took to make. That was the, is this yeah, is, that was the thing. You listened. Yeah. You took heed mm-hmm. and you made a decision. Yes. This, is what, this is what pushed you. Literally that day was when I went home and I was like, babe. And I just told him that. I told him the thing I told you. Yeah. And... <laughs> um. I was stirred up all day at work and I said, okay, God, make it where when I leave, like I'm able to still be like a light and I'm still able, I don't want to leave where I am like, I don't need y'all. I'm good now. Like, and God made it where at the end and my exit interview, I still got to, I got to pray for my bosses. I got to speak life into them, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was time for me to go. And when it was time, I didn't know what I was doing, but how faithful God was in the development before that with building programs, with bringing in partnerships, with bringing in residencies, with bringing in communities. I didn't even know what I was doing was I was building nonprofits always from the ground up. I was Mm. building programs always from the ground up. Mm. I just didn't know what it looked like. Mm. I didn't have a name for it, but God told me just because you don't have a name for it, just because the name looks different, doesn't mean that's not the destination, doesn't mean that that's not where I'm taking you. And when I got that revelation, that word from that morning came back into my heart. I'm asking you to move in a rhythm. You're not taking heed. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna listen, confirm it. So I was like, God, confirm it. Instead of saying like, this feels weird. I don't know, I'm leaning into it, but God, I don't know, this couldn't be for me. This Mm -hmm. could probably be for somebody else. Maybe you're calling me to give somebody else a word. Like, he was like, no, that's for you. And I need you to lean into it. And I haven't looked back at all. Like, the fact that I, then all those small things work together, like, Getting that partnership with Finish Line mm-hmm. blew my mind. We were having so much success in our pilot program. It was just seven weeks at the time. And my, my nonprofit, Heal Yourself, we mentor teenage girls of color through leadership skills and character development. And within 13 weeks, after their 13 weeks, seven weeks, they develop as leaders in a signature curriculum that I built. And then six weeks, they go and serve from the things they learned from being servant leaders. They go Mm. and do that in neighboring communities and neighboring nonprofits. And upon completion of those 13 weeks, they graduate and they get a workforce stipend or a college scholarship. 
and they also get shoes. And since the name is Heal Yourself, H-E-E-L, the slogan is Make Each Step Purposeful. And it's from the scripture in Isaiah, whether you turn to the right or to the left, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Mm. They get these shoes to be symbolic of the new transformation they have, that they're walking into a new season with all this purpose to be strong pillars in their community. This finish line was all over it. How did you get, real quick, how did you get that sponsorship? Did they just hear about the program? They're like, or, or did you put in a bid for it? No, literally mm. it was so organic. So it was like, so many great things were happening in these seven weeks mm -hmm. that even one of the therapists on site was like, what are you doing? Like these girls, they were, I was doing it after school. They were like wanting to stay. Like it was just an hour. They're like, no, no, no. I want to stay longer. They were like wanting to pour themselves out. And this was just like an outline, which shows you don't have to have it all done. Yeah. You can just have an outline and, and God can use that. Because mm -hmm. you also like that is that's in you. It was in me to coach. It was in me to teach. And even looking back, that's what my nonprofit does. We mentor, which is a, like another layer of coaching, yeah. you know, and whenever I was doing that with those girls, it was getting so much attention up top with the HR. They were like, you're doing great work. And then she's like, you're doing great work. I love seeing what you're doing with the girls. Like, we thank you. And then she was like, if you need anything, let me know. I said, well, right now I'm just trying to connect with DSW because I would love some shoes, but they're not responding. I'm gonna have to go in. And she said, what? Finish Line just reached out to me. They're trying to give me 1500. She was like, I need somewhere to give it. I was just gonna tell them, no, I'll give it to you. Mm. She was like, you, you can go ahead and have that. That is amazing. Exactly. So you built a corporate relationship. This is while you're still in mm -hmm. the nonprofit. This is while I'm still there. So it's crazy that now, while I was working there, I had this partnership, but how the things I learned with developing clear brand identity within Heal Yourself mm -hmm. and signature curriculum and impact that now us being partners with the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Dallas, mm -hmm. that's me as a partner, as a giant in the community, not as a... I'm an employee like they're like, oh, no, I like what you've done so far. And I trust you to make this impact here in Dallas. You can have our resources as well. Ooh. Like that's amazing. And that's come from just the things I was doing then that I didn't even like see as a big deal. Yes. They everybody else saw it as a big deal except me. Mm -hmm. You know, it just because like you were saying, when you do something, you do it through and through. Mm -hmm. And that's always been you. Right. Mm -hmm. It's always been me to excel mm -hmm. like from anything I've done, I've always become the best or the top or in the top 10, like just being excelling at a high level. So I didn't feel that wild. Like what else was I supposed to do? I remember my boss, when I worked in San Francisco at that club as a director, he said, you came in the first day and started executing out the gate. I said, well, what'd you hire me to do? <laughs> what was I supposed to do? I was so shocked that he said that. I was like, what was I supposed to do? You know, people will take that first 30 days, snooze a little bit. No, I was like, let's go. And that's me. You know what it is? It just came to me. You've been walking in your purpose, like from the beginning. And I love it's like a weird way for me to say love, but you had a terrible near death, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. you're younger yeah. and you've been walking in your purpose ever since. The thing about like when someone's walking in their purpose and you start a job and this doesn't happen, for it, I would say it happens for like a very few select people. The first 30 days, you're excited about the job. Mm -hmm. The 60 days, you starting to get a little bit wavering and 90 days, you start settling in and you ain't making no change. Yeah. 
the fact that you walked into the role like do on purpose you know what i mean people don't see that every day but oh. we have to understand the story to understand like how you can walk into an environment and be on go yeah. immediately and for things That's to just happen good. for you i love your story i oh, really do thank you absolutely and thank god that you had the the vision and the um i want to say whatever the hearing part is to like say i'm going to start documenting the process the sensitivity sensitivity to document the process because now you can walk your clients specifically through something that if you hadn't if you waited longer too long you wouldn't have been able to even think about the steps and it's funny because there was it goes back to that curious point yeah even when i felt this is the thing like so you were saying it and i get it i get that 100 percent. Mm. you said even if you felt a certain way you would show up and you were like dang am i coming off that way and then whenever it was pointed out to you it's funny how i'm like you've grown so much you're like i didn't even think i was because inside i wasn't i was feeling the complete opposite inside i would feel like don't say that that's a stupid question outside i was like i'm gonna ask it mm. like so inside <laughs> i would the little voice of sabotage was don't they're gonna think you're stupid and i'd be like i don't care so whenever I was in Oakland, I started volunteering at an impact hub. It was for entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And I would just go there and I just wanted, this is when I was now in my entrepreneurship journey. And I just wanted to, I was hungry. I just wanted to learn and was curious to learn and personally develop. And they were like, well, if you volunteer, you'll get access to our resources, this co-working space free of charge. And I was like, that's good because we all want income, Lord, and that's what we need. <laughs> and I was also volunteering at the rescue mission in San Francisco. And I would go there and speak every week. And I would deliver a message every week on the platform. Every week. Wow. And this was at the same time I was fasting from social media. Mm. So while this was all happening, I was curiously leaning into my gifts more. I was leaning into it and asking questions. I would develop a talk or a sermon or something and then say, um, can you, can you help me edit that? Can you fix that for me? Can, can you tell me specifics? How did you think through? What was this? Like when I was at impact hub, I would sit there and I would talk. And what happens is you start to actually attract what you're talking about. Yeah. So I was running into confusion because I had only seen whenever you're starting a nonprofit, people just do the paperwork for you. They'll say, well, I'll charge you 8,000 and I'll just do it all for you. Mm -hmm. But nobody helps you develop through the time. Like you have to run an organization. What does that look like? From a leadership perspective. Leadership, yeah. character development. Mm -hmm. What does it look like to actually track impact? I don't, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Right. And then I started asking. I was so curious. So I was asking questions. Even when that little voice was like, don't ask. You don't even know. Like, it's going to look like you're a fraud. And what you see, we see it at the highest level of people. They're still curious. Mm -hmm. That curiosity is actually the key to success yeah. is being curious. Yeah. And I was talking to this girl and she was very skilled in like B corporations and nonprofits and different things. And I said and she was on she sat on the board of a place and I said, yeah, that's not a profit. And you know, I would love to, I would always say, I want to have a hundred thousand dollars right now. And she said, well, do you, do you know y'all's impact? And I said, what's that? Mm -hmm. And she was like, do you know like what y'all have done? I was like, well, I know for sure. And I started telling her, we did our pilot program and I just mentored someone out of Oakland and uh, that's what we've done so far. And she said, well, do you, can we see it? Right. Where's the data? And I said, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And she like helped me understand what an impact report was. She mm -hmm. sat with me and gave me examples and was like, use this as a guide. Like that curiosity, like made it where my nonprofit fundraising coach, she said, you know, as we're building this out to get your, get y'all's like first big grant, 
She said, you have all of the stuff. We just plug in and play it now. And I said, I just didn't know where to put it. I didn't know how to lay it out. I didn't know how to framework. You were walking in it. And then there's this whole, like you said, framework, Mm -hmm. impact statements, measurements, Mm -hmm. KPIs, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, but the good thing about it is you're doing the work the whole time. It's just, it's easier to get the the numbers and stuff if you've been doing the work than it is like pull numbers out of the air. Because when you build a business, the other way, like my mind is super data. I'm always big data. Mm. And so like the issue of like creating a nonprofit when you have, when you're used to all this data and there's not like two participants or three participants of the program, you're looking to create this impact statement on three people. But and the you're thing like, is, that's still so massively impactful. Absolutely. And qualitative data is more important. Yes. Then you, and you realize exactly. it's not about the numbers. It's not about how many students completed the program. It's about what's the transformation that each student And felt. what was their stories. Yes. One of the girls, she went through our program. It was like a, a set, kind of a branch off. We have a Soul Sisters mentor group that's the 13 weeks for mm. the teenage girls okay but that was the pilot program but then the pandemic hit like literally as soon as hill yourself started the pandemic hit and i was like i was speaking to legislators like in san francisco trying to see like how can we partner because oh, i wanted to do things with the judicial system there in um, san francisco at the time mm-hmm. and the pandemic hit so what does it look like now so i started getting on lives and praying every morning you know for 21 days i would pray to the masses and to kind of just go through the word and just speaking life into all these women and it was really like i said at the end we're going to do a worship night the worship night went so well women were like i said oh, i'm just being obedient to god and they were like no i want more so we for seven months did this experience where we could discuss have discussions panels worship where it was a different experience for women that are in the body but not we're not pretentious and you don't have to hide here. Like this is a safe space mm. that be whoever you are. Cause we're going to talk about pornography. We're going to talk about the things you're struggling with mentally. Mm. If you've had suicidal thoughts, we're going to lean into that mm. and we're going to trust that God's going to like, he cares. Why would he not care? Yeah. So we're going to talk about it all and we're going to be really unfiltered about it. Mm. So if you cuss, you can come in here. <laughs> you got problems. You can come in here. And like, we were able to give two women, three months of therapy free of charge. Mm. And one of them, when her testimonial at the end, she said her brother passed away and she was contemplating suicide during the pandemic. But how she, those healing rooms, that's what they were called, H-E-E-L-I-N-G. These healing rooms, because you gotta be in charge of your own healing to walk through it. You gotta first recognize I need healing, take ownership of that and walk in it. Walk through the bad, walk through the pressure. Mm-hmm. And whenever she said that those healing rooms, like they saved her life, they changed her life because she applied for therapy and she was able to be a part of that small cohort to get it. And those are things that donors love to hear. And that's the thing that I tell my clients is like, and this is something my board was saying to me because I'm a visionary, I'm an artist, that goes with the artist in me. Like I'm just a visionary, I love to create. And I'll come with them like, y'all, I know we getting, because we were in California, that's where we started. So coming in Dallas, even though I'm from there, my nonprofit is almost three. Like it's barely, it's a, it's a toddler, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But the impact's there. Yeah. It's just like, we gotta be here in Dallas and have a, a be giants here. Mm-hmm. And if the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Dallas is trusting us, let's be giants in this space. Yes. So whenever you have to realize that like, donors love to hear stories like yes. that. They yes, love yes. to hear like, even if it impacted one, how can we make this happen a hundred times over? Yes. How can I get a 10X? That's what they care. They want a 10X on their return, which is, I gave this money, but I want to see this story happen over. That's my return. That's my ROI. Yeah. Not like I want another hundred thousand dollars. And I feel like that's why 
I always encourage anybody have a nonprofit. Mm. Why not? You're changing the world. You're using OPM to do it. Sounds like a win-win to me. It is. But like speaking of which, we had like so I never knew. I never knew exactly what you did all this time. Um, I think it was one time you mentioned social entrepreneurship on the morning meetup that I was like, girl, I got all these books. And I'm gonna tell you something. The the words your like your story is not yours, like you know, it's not about you, is coming up to me for me right now. Because like even in the moment where you like you mentioned social entrepreneurship and I got all these books and I'm, and I'm doing all this reading on it. My life isn't particularly going in this social entrepreneurship path to the outside eye, right? But to meet you and to hear all of the work you're doing, like to be like, oh, she's the so you know, your life is social entrepreneurship. For me, I think that you mentioned the other people's money, creating impact, all of that. Like, I came from a world where I was like, you know, I want to do this, you know, create impact and not have a, a whole story about my life, which I got to tell you when we in the, the episode. Girl, shoot, this, tell me. It's, this definitely, I have to get your thoughts. I got to pick your brain. But your story really speaks to what I love about social entrepreneurship, which is that you don't have to sacrifice your own income for impacting other people, right? To hear that you had your $5,000 day only is only the beginning of your revenue generating journey, right? But then to hear that you've impacted a young woman like this is also, we can extrapolate that as well. So when mm -hmm. I think of social entrepreneurship, I think of the monetary value that you're able to build in a capitalist society that's not someone like that you're building your own income off of OPM right but it's it's not it's not chump change a $5,000 day is not chump change especially yeah, for people in a nonprofit. yeah and what's crazy is as I have my nonprofit, mm -hmm. that as I build more success with my nonprofit, it only helps my clients boom so I help community leaders so like that would be a you That'd be a Dave. That'd be a my husband. Anybody, mm -hmm. right? Because we're all leaders. Because everybody has influence, and that's what's, that's what makes a leader. You have influence. How do you lean into that influence and actually develop your community? So you're a giant in your community. I help community leaders start, strategize, and scale successful nonprofits from day one. When other people are do focus on paperwork, I'm focused on giving you for-profit strategy with nonprofit impact. What does that mean? Everything a nonprofit is an entity. It's just like an LLC, an S-Corp, a B-Corp, a corporation. It's just that it operates differently, but it still is an entity. And what often separates a successful nonprofit from a non an unsuccessful nonprofit is a successful nonprofit tracks, KPIs, impact, and don't we do that in business? Mm -hmm. Don't we have to go back to our data to see what's working, what's not working? Yes, yes. Don't we have to go into rooms and talk about what we do yes, and yes. make it known to people? Everybody mm -hmm. has their audience, but do they know about you? You have to open your mouth. That is the same thing for a nonprofit, but often nonprofit leaders operate on passion alone. So, oh my gosh, I just love this community and I just want to impact them. But then I also want donors to give me money, but I don't have anything to show for it. And I don't even know what I did. And we don't have a website. And we also don't have a professional email and we don't do anything. I don't know what we do. And I don't know how to make money on my own so that I can show a donor that I'm not just going to be relying 100% on exactly. you. Exactly. And I don't get paid for my nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Like, and I won't ever. Mm -hmm. I'll make that where I am. It's my baby. But the thing is, is that I don't actually need to be 
because I make money from my coaching, mm -hmm. right? I make mm -hmm. money from coaching. I make money from building, helping other people birth their visions. Mm -hmm. And it actually is lucrative. Like yeah. when I was telling you about that $5,000 day, I had another one right after that. Let's go. And another one after that. Let's go. Like, and it just keeps like, and that's, and that was when I was 5,000. The price thing going up. <laughs> and we're going into challenges now. Because so. now that you're a practitioner, because let's not forget what Ronnie said, mm -hmm. as you're, as a practitioner, you're continuously building your own nonprofit. The results that you see in your own nonprofit ultimately informs your coaching. Exactly. So as your quality goes up, the price goes exactly. up. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like the more that I'm seeing, okay, this is being refined. And I have coaches on both angles. Mm -hmm. Like I have a nonprofit fundraising coach and then I have a business coach. Mm -hmm. Both happening at the same time. And it's funny, they're saying such similar messaging, but what separates the nonprofit from the other one is now we're doing grants. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to focus on grants in a for profit. I'm going to focus on my product, my services, yes. how I can provide this value. And then there's an exchange of currency there. Yeah. When the donors give currency, they just want to see that this story keeps happening. Yeah. Can, how can this story keep happening? Mm. And that's so beautiful is because I'm not, there's no pressure there. I'm not under pressure. Like, did I bring money? I got to make this happen because it's still going to happen. There's yeah. so many ways I can, with partnerships, I can do this with, um, my challenge, the thing that I'm like been building out and I was telling you and the weeks that'll happen is March 13th through the 18th. So it's monetize your mission and I'm teaching nonprofit leaders how to leverage their, how to create the framework for their nonprofit mm -hmm. that where they're able to have payouts, people and partnerships from day one. Hey, yeah. Alliteration. Yeah. I love it. I love alliteration. <laughs> so in this monetize your mission, yeah. they're learning the framework that leads to partnerships, payouts, and partnerships, partnerships, payouts, and people. Mm -hmm. So what that means, you're going to get the part. How will, what I'm building, I, the only way people get invested is if they know what you're doing. They don't know the work that you're doing. I believe everybody's a giant in their own space, but how do they know? They only know if you open your mouth. Yeah. And it's funny when you say that about the nonprofits, people are like, well, I thought you were like, so wait, do you, do, when you do nonprofits, are you, are you just doing your, your nonprofit? I'm like, I have one, mm -hmm. but I help people develop theirs. Because you've done it. I mm -hmm. help people develop theirs from the start, and that was my secret sauce. Mm. When Donnie said this, that my mind went, she said, y'all stop trying to take me from A to Z. Y'all keep trying to take people from A to Z. I want to do, I can't be in that field because I haven't, I haven't seen a million dollars. I haven't done this. What have you done though? Yeah. Everybody in here has done something successful. Everybody in here has done something from A to C, mm -hmm. A to B, mm -hmm. F to whatever the next letter will be. <laughs> but like G, G, I was like G or H, one of those. Uh -huh. But everybody has done something. Mm -hmm. But lean into what you've done now and expand on that and go back and start measuring it and seeing, but go back to when God was like, document. The process. Document. I didn't even know he, when he told me write coach in 2018 and he was saying document that it was leading me into getting clients, yes. having lucrative income off of what I love, which is building leaders, yeah. you know, and making them see that whatever's in them. You're, I always say to my clients, your nonprofit is an extension of your story, something you've healed from, something you care about, something that you want to provide information to a, commu a community for. It's something in you, though, that you care so deeply about. That's why you're building it. 
and you can have, of course, people do it for the tax purposes and all that. But right, like, right, right, right. But the fact that you're even building it to bring something as healing to a community, mm -hmm. you care. So just know that it's an extension of you. Yes. You need to authentically show up for yourself, know those things about yourself, know what you care about, know all of those things from your story. My nonprofit services, teenage girls, I said teenage girls of color, we specifically service 16 through 18. Why? What did I tell you? I was in an abusive relationship at 16. Mm. I was in a really abusive relationship at 16. Got out at 17, met my husband at 18. I was very lost in the sauce. God gave me great community. He gave me great opportunities, but I didn't even know there was so much still in there that I was like feeling inadequate about, that I felt like small and I felt like my voice was silenced. That I don't ever want those girls to feel that way. Mm. I don't ever want them to feel that way. So we provide mentorship and with mentorship comes like simultaneously while they're mentoring, they get therapy. They're getting therapy in these 13 weeks. They're also learning how to be leaders, that they are leaders. And like that they are leading in their space of influence. They're leading in their space of genius. They develop, they take their divine design test. They go through like what it looks like to be a leader. I call it the five leader languages. They like learn their leader language. What are the five leader languages? A connector, a builder, a peacemaker, a driver, and I'm running a blank on the last one, but it's easy to remember like three and fours. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they are built on the foundation of how Jesus led in his ministry, mm. that he was a connector. Mm -hmm. He connected all the time. That's how he built his communities. He was a builder, like physically. Yes, but also mm -hmm. like he was a builder of like God's temple. Like mm. he was like, I'm going to build out what he put in my life. Mm. I'm going to build upon this next thing and this next thing and this next thing. He was a. Uh, a driver. He got in the driver's seat and was like, no matter what, we're going to keep going to the destination. A, build, a builder, a peacemaker. Mm -hmm. He wanted to provide safe spaces for people. A leader does that. What you say? A leader leads from the front and from the back. Like you, once you learn that you actually start to lean into it more and don't feel like there's something wrong with you. Mm. Because if you know that you lead from the back, that's also a leader. That's a leader language. I don't need to be in the front. I can be in the back and lead. Or I can be a driver right in the front, going with the operations, telling what's going to happen, delegating. But I can also lead from being comfortable in my space. I don't know why I'm running a blank on the last one, but... We got a whole like part two. You guys are going to get to know her a little bit more. So we're going to get that fifth one. Don't worry. I have really, really, really enjoyed your story. We're going to get that fifth one. I, I want to know, like, as your identity, you, you mentioned you introduced yourself, wife, sister, um, daughter, all these identities. Um, as a social entrepreneur, and you really gave us a really great, like, um, depiction, persona, personification of social entrepreneur. Um, how would you define your, your identity as a social entrepreneur? I lover of people. Actually, if I could provide, if I could do it into one word, a gatekeeper, a gatekeeper. Ooh, tell me more. So goes back to those documenting things. I mm -hmm. felt like God was telling me you're a gatekeeper. So I looked up like, what is a gatekeeper? Mm -hmm. Like in the word, like gatekeeper is there. But, and we think of like, think of like a shepherd when it's his sheep are coming in, he opens the gate and he lets them go in freely and he lets them come back in, lets them go out, come back in. But he watches as they come in and he knows his sheep because he personally like knows what they look like. He knows them by characteristics, all these things. So when one is missing, he's able to go out and call it to come back in. That is also as a social entrepreneur, that is how I see anything that I do. 
when someone comes into my space, I let them come in freely and I let them go out freely to become who God's called them to be. When they come into my space, I start, I begin to know them by their personality, the development, personally, what they need, their name, what they're struggling with, what they can build on and how that can benefit their nonprofit to start strategize and scale it to the next level. And once you're done with me, you are more than welcome to stay on, but I'm not going to hold you tight because I also understand that there's more God has for you. So I'm a gatekeeper. I let you go. Aww, you know? I love that. It's like, I, so as I see your gifts, I develop them. I help you cultivate them mm -hmm. so you can have those partnerships, peoples and payouts for your nonprofit. And it's the goal that I'm a part of your journey. But I know because it's been also my story. People have their space in your life for your journey. But when it's time for them to go, when people are like talking all like, dang, they should stay with me. It's like you also have to learn how to develop in other spaces. Mm -hmm. And I'll be along the journey with you. But a, gate, a good gatekeeper lets their sheep go and come freely. That's beautiful. <laughs> that is beautiful. She is good. Listen, y'all, you might not notice, but like part of her journey just kind of touched me. There were some points. I don't know if you could tell, but I was like about to tear up. There are some <laughs> things that you are really, really doing in this world that are going to touch a lot of people. Aww. So one, I can't wait for y'all to see this. I know you're, you're watching right now, but I'm so happy that you're watching and that you get a chance to hear Jasmine's story. Aww. And Jasmine, I'm really happy that you got a chance to like do this episode Thank with you. me. Thank you. I'm so honored. I really am. It's beautiful. I remember you coming in and being like, I have this idea. You're just kind of talking. <laughs> and needing more like confidence like you have inspired me so much like yeah. literally from the morning meetup because you were there longer and then I was like well, she was really shy and she's like sharing on the book club that and her so personality funny. is growing and that is so I funny. remember you questioning so many things and even if you feel that you still do that like that's a part of your story and that's a part of your journey and it's Always. and it's also just human girl it's like no one arrives and if we learn anything this past weekend that's also true no matter where you get Brett, he was singing at the highest level. He's still like, I don't know. I just like it. I create it. If I like it, it matters if I like it. You yes. heard that when B. Simone came. If I like it, I don't care if nobody likes it. Yes. Like, I want to like it first. And I love that you are starting to trust that if I like it. Yes. Frank Sinatra is on my playlist. I did it my way. And when I forget, I literally play that song. And so you spoke into my life just now. So you are very, very spot on. And even in this moment, I have to receive the word because it can go over my head. Like if I don't identify with the growth that you see, then obviously I don't get the chance. I don't get a chance to truly grow from it internally because you see it and I don't see it. Then there's no help. Like <laughs> there's no, there's no, there's no lesson. So yeah, I received that 100%. Yes. So can you speak into like our listeners and our, and our viewers real quick? So as we get up out of here, I'm thinking about, you know, people on their journey, right? And I think it's specific to social entrepreneurs. Like right now, before I learned about social entrepreneurship, I was just a corporate employee. I hadn't even learned about like too much about nonprofits before I realized about social entrepreneurs entrepreneurship and then social entrepreneurship. So for you, as your path has unfolded, there's a person who doesn't necessarily know that this space exists for people like us mm -hmm. who are impact driven, mission driven, but also like economically in inclined as well. Right. <laughs> so what would that, what would your word of uh, wisdom be for a person who's either a nonprofit and they want to be more entrepreneurial or the person who's more corporate and they want to be, or the person who's more entrepreneurial and want to be more like socially led? Don't feel 
like impact and money can't coexist in mm. the same space. If you look at money like a tool, you'll understand that the more tools you have, the more resources and and the more you can do. Like the more tools I have, how much faster can I build a house? I have a hammer. I'm, I'm gonna be there for a long time. <laughs> I'm gonna need some wood, I'm gonna need some nails, I'm gonna need people, I'm gonna need contractors, like the list goes on and on. Yeah. But how much more could I do if I have more tools? How much faster could the house be built? Don't ever feel like you can't have impact and also have wealth, that they can't coexist. Yeah. God cares about both. He cares about your heart. And if your heart is to change and to provide better to this world and make it a better place than when you left it or when you came here, then also understand that money's also going to be used to do that. So when you come from a space where you've been working for people and you're like, but I just want to do all good because money's evil. No, it was your heart. Mm-hmm. Check your heart. Mm-hmm. Figure out what's going on in here, why you have that relationship with money and understand that it's the, how you perceive that relationship is why you feel like you can't have impact. It has to be one or the other. That's extreme. And then on the other side of, I only want impact, you know, I'm money. I don't, I don't want, no, 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 no. I, I just want money. I don't want to do no impact. I just want money. I don't want no impact because, you know, people, they just take advantage of me. Mm-hmm. Well, like, also, who, we, as people, can't stand when someone just has money and doesn't care about people. Yeah. We're like, ugh. Mm-hmm. And we're in a different age. People buy people, not, not things. Yeah. They buy into people and what they say and what they communicate. If you're just showing me flashy stuff, okay, you're selfish because you're not showing me how to get it. Yeah. So, Use that money and also create impact. I'm not saying do stuff for free. I charge my clients high ticket. If you come to me, I'm a high ticket coach. Why? Because Myron Golden is my coach and he, he preached all the time. And when I implemented his stuff, boom, yes, I was yes. able to see a five figure day like that in three days. Wow. That was massive. Yeah. So the impact still was there. I'm still changing people's lives, but I'm also still seeing wealth be accrued in my life. So like they both can exist. That's beautiful. Dang! Drops the mic. I did not expect it to be like that. Listen, y'all, she has influenced me to take my shoes off in a way that I I am being in a way that I love to be anyway. So I'm like, listen, girl, I have just appreciated your energy in this space. So thank you so much for joining yes, us. Yes, I love you so much. You are beautiful, and this is gonna be. Like, you remember how, like, we looked at Dave and we were like, oh my gosh, like, look at these videos 11 years back. That's going to be you. Listen, come on. That is going to be you. You see this? Do you see this? That is manifesting in the moment. Yes. And you are just so skilled. And you know how you start, how you do anything is how you do everything. But how you start Mm. is also how you are sustained. And you are starting in excellence. Y'all, she got the stuff laid out. Okay, lights. We got time. We got, we, we all, we professional. <laughs> and you're not waiting for everybody to give you a round of applause. You're doing that now. You yeah. build your audience before you build your stage. So you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Thank you for pouring into me. Yes. Y'all, go pour into somebody because this feeling right here is unmatched. Go love on somebody, go pour into somebody and know that you can have impact and money in the same place. So until next time, thank y'all for listening. Thank you for watching. But I'll see you guys next week. Peace. That was so good.